We are in week four of our series called Scare Tactics. Um, I think y'all are hilarious. I felt like I had to like really get you worked up to start talking, and now you're like, stop talking, Paul. We're having a conversation right here. Um, I think that this is the last week of this series, but then again, I'm not sure. Um, We will be back in Romans at some point because I I miss Romans. Like I love I love just that's such a good it's such a good book and like we we'll get together in our um you know, we're, we host the young adult community group and so like they're still working through Romans and like without fail we'll read like another chapter and I'm just like man I can't wait to preach that right I and mean, it's just such teach that it's so good but we really sense that we were supposed to tackle fear, shame, and manipulation, and I've shared this with a couple of people that, you know, I share this with other pastors, and they're like, ooh, that's good, because the enemy, because the enemy, because the enemy, I'm like, no, no, dude, I'm actually repenting for you and me, like, this is, this is more about, like, what the church does from the platform out, how we sometimes use fear, shame, and manipulation to control churches, and so, I, I, it's like, I'm, yeah, is that from the enemy? 100%. Are we tools of Satan? apparently sometimes right um and i'll I'll just point you to it and you go to the website and find it but i did a we call them standalone messages it's when we're not in a series and we just you know whatever we just preach it and so i did a a sermon maybe two years ago i can't remember now when it was but it was called who needs the devil when i've got you y'all that's a that's a fun one and um, if you have somebody at work a co-worker that you really struggle with you should share it with them 100 percent no, I'm kidding. The whole point of that message, though, is that we all know from John 10, 10, and this is just introduction. Don't look at the watches yet. I haven't started. I'm not on the clock, even though it is counting down, but I don't count it. Um, John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so the whole premise of that message is that he doesn't have to do any of that because we're doing it for him. Who needs the devil when I've got you? Basically, I, the devil... He can't even steal because you've stolen it all from me. We do that to one another. And so what I'm learning in this, in this series, and I hope what you're seeing too, is every single week, I, I got a message last week after the one on shame that said, I, man, we should unpack that again this week. And it's because you can't separate spirit, emotion, mind. Like, this is who we are, Right? This is who we are. This is who we are, y'all. Like, we're, we're one holistic being. God made us this way. And so when we start to pull the scales back and people start to go, whoa, that's, oh, that's why. Oh, that's, that, oh, that makes sense. You start to see it and you start to realize how much it's in all of us, right? Like, I, I told somebody this week, I, I feel like I'm repenting for things that I don't even know if I've even done them. But I probably have without even meaning to because it's so deep in our culture. So fear, shame, and manipulation. We've been reading this one passage of Scripture, and I'm going to ask you just to, um, before I ask you to stand, let me just say this. I love, I read a book, I think it was a book a couple years ago, and it's about revival. And it wasn't about like current revival, it was about like old-time revival and I love reading about old-time revivals. Not to find a formula, just, it just stirs my faith, right? Like, God, if you did it then, you can do it now. And the one I read, I can't remember now which, which revival it was. Maybe the Welsh revival. Somebody in here that's smarter than me will know and, you know, just correct me afterwards. Um, but in, they talked about how what happened was that ministry would take place and then the, the person would get up and start teaching while ministry was still taking place. And I was like, that's weird, and we should try it, right? Because you're so used to like, okay, this part of the service is over, and now we go to the next part. And you see, we're so structured, right? But it was like it just all happened at one time. And I love that I'm teaching and that Lizzie's just hanging out with Jesus, right? That's what it should be, y'all. This is how it should be. Anyway, Fear, shame, and manipulation. We've been reading 1 John 4, 16, 17, and 18. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to go ahead and just read that again this morning. This has kind of like been the one verse, the one section of scripture that we keep coming back to. 
And then I've got a couple more, but you can sit for the other ones. Let's just read this one. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Father, I'm asking again today that you would come and that you would speak through me. And I believe that you have had me on a journey for so many years. And you have placed things deep in me. And I'm asking that in the next few moments, you would pull out of that. You said, Jesus, that what we have stored in us would come out of us. And so I pray that your truth would come through my words and Jesus would be exalted in your name, Lord. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Thanks so much. All right, so manipulation. Um, we believe this about, they're all, they're all related to fear, okay? Um, that's why we start with that verse. Everything is tied back to fear. So Jesus comes so he can eradicate fear from our lives. We say this all the time, when Jesus shows, fear goes. Now, we talked about shame last week. So when I say a statement like that, if you're sitting here and you're feeling afraid, and if you're um, a person who needs to have everything happen in a specific order, just coming to our church can cause a panic attack, right? Like, I get it, totally. You're like, I mean, the minute I walked in, I was like, there's no bulletin, there's no order. I get it. So me saying, when Jesus shows fear goes, if you're feeling afraid, then the logical conclusion is, oh, then I don't love Jesus because if I love Jesus then there wouldn't be room for fear and so I was, we talked about shame last week let's just eradicate that right now no y'all people feel fear it is a normal fallen human condition in this world we will feel fear I said this two weeks ago about fear I said it last week about shame it's not in the Bible at the beginning, and it's, they're not in the Bible at the end. They, fear and shame are a part of what we experience in this life. They are real, and they are not an indication of how much you love Jesus or don't love Jesus. They are an indication that there are areas in our lives where we need to invite Jesus in as Lord. Period. So if I walk into a place and I have... Y'all, I've shared my journey about anxiety and fear and panic and all the things, right? I mean, I, felt, I just felt that right now, even as I said the words. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I have been in places like this and had an anxiety attack, imagining what it would be like if I was on the platform delivering the message. Was I on the platform delivering the message? No, I was sitting in a chair. But just thinking about being in that position could suddenly cause me to be afraid. And then if on top of that I go, well, gosh, real Christians don't feel fear. I must not be a real Christian. <sighs> Shame. Imposter syndrome. Right? See how quickly we can get there? And what is the cure for that? It is sitting in a seat and saying to God, I trust you, that you love me, and if you called me to go up on that platform and I, and I bombed, you would still love me. And if you ask me to go up on the platform, it's because I, you ha you've put something in me to say. And so I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to say it. And if I sweat all the way through it, oh, well. Right? It's like from that place of, then it's security. 
And when Jesus shows in that place, we say, hey, I need to invite you into this moment because I'm afraid. He shows up, y'all. You guys that were at the front earlier, realizing he's with us, we undersell that in the church. He's with us. And that should change everything about the moment. So all this kind of brings us to today, to manipulation. Um, what is manipulation? I felt like I needed to have a really good definition. So here's the one we're going to use, and I think this is really important. I'll explain why in a minute. Manipulation is controlling someone or something, often unfairly or dishonestly, for your own advantage. Let me say that again. Controlling someone or something, often unfairly or dishonestly, for your own advantage. And that's very, very important. Because manipulation happens when we are trying to control other people for our advantage. At the end of this message, I'll give you some really practical things. But I've mentioned this a couple times during the series, just from the, the leader, church leader perspective. So... If I send out an email this week that says, don't miss it, it will be the best service ever. If I'm doing that to get you to show up so that I feel like I'm a better pastor, that's manipulation. Because I just did something to control you to make me have an advantage. But if I truly believe that this could be the best service ever, I didn't manipulate you at all. Because I'm trying to call you to something that could be for your advantage. See what I'm saying? Now turn to the person next to you and go, I don't understand. Me either. Because you know why? Because the Bible says, and in tons of places, right? Just pull up Google and look it up. You'll find five, six, seven verses. That God is the one who judged the motives of the heart. And what we're talking about in fear, shame, and manipulation is motive. And I, I can't know your motive. And you can't know my motive. Sometimes I'm not sure I even know my own motive, nor you know yours. That was really confusing. But God knows all of it. Which is why, again, I'm just, I drop these things not so you'll like, I'm not, don't, you don't have to copy me, but I'm just giving you some, some practical tools. I, I'm so thankful for Apple I'm so thankful that I live in an age when I can set a reminder on my phone to the exact minute so that I don't forget every single day. And at 9.23 every day of my life, for the past four or five years, a notification pops up and says, praise Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Hang with me. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. That's why it pops up at 9.23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Because I can't know my own heart, y'all. He has to search me. And I want you to give him permission to search you. So, manipulation feels necessary when we don't trust the process of formation. We're all being formed in the image of Jesus. If, we're, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're apprenticing under Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then the goal is that you would look like him, right? That we would be formed, and Paul even says that, like, I'm in labor pains. A, a dude said that. <laughs> all the women are like, <laughs> you have no idea, Right? So all the women that have given birth, you really get this, right? He says, I am in travail. I am in pain until Christ is formed in you. That's what we feel. Like, God, you want me to look like Jesus. Help me look more like Jesus. Today I want to look more like Jesus. That's the process of formation. It's called sanctification if you want to get super, super, like, theological. It's the, it's the process of, like, I'm saved and I'm being sanctified, right? Which is why, if you're watching this, I apologize. I'm not calling you out. But I was playing pickleball the other day. Pickleball. It's sweeping the nation. 
And I was playing pickleball with a lady wearing a shirt that said, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. It was a lie. She cussed a lot. <laughs> right? Mainly because I think I was her partner, and it didn't, it didn't bring out the best in her. Right? <laughs> she was like probably talking to God about me. Anyway, like, like y'all, this is why we can love Jesus, know that we're going to die. And when we die, we're going to go to heaven and not maybe look like Jesus in the moment. And if your response to somebody who doesn't look like Jesus in the moment is, well, you just need to get your life right, go back and listen to Shame's message last week. Because manipulation is necessary if I don't trust the process of formation. Here's what I mean by that. Do I believe? Who can I pick on? Somebody raise your hand. Mike, okay. Do I believe that Mike can look like Jesus without my help? Do I believe that the Holy Spirit in Mike can form him into the image of Jesus? And if I believe that, that's formation. And if I trust the process of formation from the Holy Spirit, I don't have to, well, Mike, you better do this. You better do that. You better don't, make sure you don't miss church. If you miss church one week, you might backslide. And if you backslide, you might fall off the cliff and you, the wagon or whatever that word is I'm looking for. And then you might go to hell. That's fear, shame, and manipulation. Well, should I never tell people that they should go to church? I don't know. Are you asking them to come to church so that you feel like a better Christian because you invited somebody and they said yes? Or are you asking them to come to church because you believe it would be better for them? Only you know your motive. And maybe you don't, which is maybe you should set your phone at 923. <laughs> Join the club, right? Do you see how, like, there's so many layers here, right? So I want to make sure I break this down. The form of manipulation that most of us are familiar with is passive-aggressive behavior. Don't raise your hand if you know somebody who is passive-aggressive, because we all do. I brought this picture. Um, Russ is going to throw it up on the screen. screen. This is um, maybe the greatest example of passive-aggressive behavior I've ever seen in my life. Mike's like, I like it. I'm like, oh, do I really trust the process of formation that the Holy Spirit can? <laughs> so, look, can we just break this picture down for a second? Number one, if you're here and your name is Angie, this might be for you. Why is Angie still an employee? And, and is that sign up there because the boss never bothered to have a conversation with Angie that, said, that went like this? Listen, I'm going to have a really brave conversation with you right now. I'm going to need you to show up because I pay you. And if you don't show up, I, I, I can't pay you. And then we've got customers that are showing up and they can't get their Java Juice and Java, and if they don't get that, then they're not they're not happy. And if they don't, if they're not happy, they don't come back. And if they don't come back, I don't have a business, and I need you to show up for work. Well, why didn't he have that conversation? Why didn't she have that conversation? Why did they resort to this to shame Angie to make sure that everybody who owns a business near Juice and Java will never hire Angie? Because they want to manipulate Angie to be a better human. That's manipulation. Now, this might be too real. But I feel the pain of that owner. Right? Team leaders at our church... We were, we were, I was talking to somebody last week. I, I can remember a season when it seemed like every Saturday night or every Sunday morning, I got a text from somebody who was sick and couldn't show up to serve. Oh. What do you do with that, right? Well, 
What you do is you go on your church Facebook page and you say, hey, name, I need you to show up. No, you don't do that. Like, you can't do that. That's manipulation. So brave communication would say this, and I'll just give you, it sounds like I'm doing leadership teaching, but I'm not. But I was like, God, please give me language that can help me communicate how important it is for people to show up. And he said, oh, Paul, that's, I'm glad you asked. It's called the arc of leadership. Like, God, it seems like you've been sitting on that one, right? Like, just wait on me to ask. He said, it's all about the availability, reliability, and credibility of the person. Are they available? Are they reliable? Are they credible? It's like, if you don't have all three of those things, you can't lead. Well, I'm super reliable. I mean, people trust me, and I'm credible. Man, when I talk, I mean, it's just truth. But you're never here. So you're not even here to say those things. Or I'm super available, but nobody's going to believe a word I say. You're not credible, right? Like, these are things that 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 boss should have been talking about, and that's not manipulation. I'm going to drop a two-word huge term. It's called human agency. Anybody ever heard of that? It's like I had to Google it, like human agency. I've, it's like Google, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is, right? It's, it's basically just treating people as if they actually have the ability to make a decision. Like I, I don't have to manipulate Allison to sing the song I want her to sing or maybe not even raise my hands in worship because if I raise my hands in worship, she may never sing a hymn. No, it's like actually treating her like she can hear from the Holy Spirit. Like, hey, we trust you hear, you hear the Holy Spirit, right? People need to be treated that way with honor, dignity. Like, hey, y'all, I think next Sunday when we have Supapalooza, and that's one of my favorite days, it's going to be the best Supapalooza we've ever had. I mean, soup's going to be coming out of our ears. You shouldn't miss it. But I also recognize that you're an adult, and you have a calendar, and you have the ability to fill that calendar with things that might make you feel like you have no margin in your life to come to church on that Sunday. But you made the decision because you're an adult. So I'm not going to say, hey, make sure you add one more thing, right? (laughs) Just, no, it's your calendar. You're in control of that. You have a Holy Spirit within you. He can lead you. See how that takes away the manipulation? But I still feel bad because I feel like I should be at church. But that's you talking to the Lord who knows your heart, right? It could just be that you feel like you are missing something. And so what he might be saying to you is, like, maybe take something off your calendar so that you're freed up to do this. Okay. Are y'all thoroughly confused? I feel like that was terrible. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't my best, right? Yeah, thank you so much. You're trying, to, you're trying to manipulate a shorter sermon out of me. I can sense what's happening right now. <laughs> okay. Let's just go through three quick points. Number one, recognize the source of manipulation. Recognize the source of manipulation. Um, It comes from one person whose name we often do not capitalize. Does anybody want to take a guess? Satan. John 8, 44, um, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says something super nice and warm and friendly. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He, the devil, Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Listen to this line. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus says, Satan has been this way from the beginning. So that means we should go back to what book? Genesis, right? Because that's the beginning. So I went back to Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1, and here's what it says. Now the serpent, that Satan, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say, I just experienced puberty while I read that. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That's the way Satan operates. 
maybe I'm reading too much into it, but this is what I thought. He didn't say, did God say? Because she'd have been like, well, yeah. Just adding the word really. Do you see the manipulation that comes with that? Did he really say? And instead of her being able to give a one-word answer, and that's the end of it, he gets her into a conversation. And that's what manipulation does. It twists it just enough that we need to have a conversation so that, he, so that the enemy can drop in a lie, twist the truth just a little bit more. I, well, I think he said, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure he said. Well, I'm pretty sure, sure he said. See how that works? And just like that, we're manipulated. Recognize the source. The source is Satan. Recognize the symptom. I'm going to say that the symptom is pride. The symptom is the pride that says, I need to be the one that helps you do what God asks you to do. Because I'm the Savior here. I'm the one who has revelation in the Bible. I'm the one that can drop the insight. Some of the hardest things to learn as a leader is to stop talking. To just let the Holy Spirit lead people. If I don't force you, you'll never change. If I don't trick you, you'll never come. Do you know, you, I know you know people that, that used to maybe go to church, but they don't go to church anymore. And if you ask them why they don't go to church, one, they might say it's just not relevant. Two, they would say full of hypocrites. But somewhere in the list, they would say it's kind of like getting baited and switched. They tell me that they're going to love me, but then they want me to change. They tell me, no, it's just going to be a potluck dinner, but then a full-blown worship service pop, pop, drop happens right in front of me. And I'm like, I, even, I came to eat, but now people have their hands in the air. What in the world's going on? Like, it, you told me it would be one thing, but it turned into something else. Bait and switch. That's manipulation. And I, I just want to say this clearly. These come from the father of lies or the master of manipulation. Sounds like we're getting to introduce a wrestler, doesn't it? And now, ladies and gentlemen, the father of lies, the master of manipulation. It's like that's Satan, 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 Satan. That was so fun. I don't have a future in it cut right. I have no future in it, but man, was that fun. That was fun, 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 fun. I would just say this. Pride leads to deception right? We, we don't even, like, you've talked to people that are full of themselves, and they don't know they're full of themselves. They're just so deceived. Like, you talk about them. You're like, with your friends, how can they not see it? And they just don't see it, y'all. The enemy is so good at deceiving us. He's so good at, like, pulling the shades over our eyes. And we can try to manipulate people into truth, I'm just make sure I say this correctly. If Satan is the master manipulator, using one of his tactics to try to lead people to truth is never going to work. I feel like this would radically change social media for every church in America. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with it. We're going to get to that because we have to have some practical steps, right? If all we're doing is presenting our best side as a church on social media, we might be manipulating. I mean, we're, we don't do that. I'm just saying, like, you know, again, back, best ever, don't miss. Change your plans. Like, God's bigger than that, y'all. He's bigger than that. So the, here's Ephesians 5.11. If, if, this, if the symptom is pride and, like, where I'm partnering with the devil as I try to manipulate you into something good, I know you're a little confused, but I promise it will make sense at the end. Ephesians 5.11 says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Manipulation is a deed of darkness, even if you're trying to manipulate somebody into a good thing. Have nothing to do with those fruitless deeds, but rather expose them, which is what we're doing right now. 
we're exposing it. So recognize the source, Satan, recognize the symptom, pride, and deception, and then recognize the solution. Here's three things I want you to, if you're taking notes, just write this down. These are the three solutions. Brave truth, humble repentance, and appropriate trust. Brave truth, humble repentance, and appropriate trust. Brave truth. Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Speak truthfully to one another. Which leads right into, like, it's just brave truth. Have, have you ever taken a deep breath and had a brave conversation with somebody? We will not name any names, but every mother and father of children have had this conversation. One, either the mom or the dad, will say to the other one, I'm so tired of how our kids cannot pick up the trash and put it in the trash can. You're like, these are our children. They don't believe in the Holy Spirit, but they believe that there's some spirit that can pick up that trash and levitate it over and drop it into the trash can. And I am done with it. Right? And as that, either the mom or dad is venting about this very real problem. It is a real problem. As they're venting about it, what do they do? They pick up the trash, and they put it in the trash can. And the other spouse wants to say, but because you operate in wisdom, you will never say this. The other spouse wants to say, why are you cleaning it up for them? They will never learn if you do it for them. And I'm just going to unpack this entire scenario that all of us can relate to. And I'm going to tell you this. The reason that happens and the reason why the spouse doesn't want you to pick up the trash is because they know that they then have to continue living with an angry spouse. And the reason why you continue to be angry is because you never communicate bravely and honestly to your child that the expectation is that we don't have a trash fairy in the house. And so I'm going to need you to pick this up because if you don't, I really am going to pick it up because I hate trash. And you need to learn how to pick that trash up. I know a pastor who, you ever hear pastors say, like, we do this in our house. And you're like, that sounds, so, that sounds like fun. We're going to try it. And you try it, and it's a, it's a total train wreck. Here's my story. Um. I heard a famous pastor who said that whenever his teenagers were doing that, he would call them, like, into the bathroom. And he's, I hope I get this right. He would call them and say, hey, like he calls his daughter, hey, hey, Jane, come in here. And so Jane's there, and he goes, um, hey, Jane, listen, I just want you to thank me for, for picking this up. And then he would bend down, he'd pick it up, and he would put it in the trash can, and he would make them thank him. And they're like, thanks? And then he would, he would stop, he would call them and he would stop picking them up. He'd be like, what do, what do you think we should do about that? Um, pick it up? No, 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 not you. Call your mother. <laughs> Wendy. <laughs> Mom comes walking in and she, she's a little frantic already because she's been, like, maybe she's been fixing dinner and you just interrupted her or she was, like, paying the bills or whatever she was doing. She's like, What? Um, we need you to pick this up for us. And, and while she's doing that, uh, Jane, I need you to thank your mom for doing that. I, I heard this in a speech or something somewhere, and I was like, this sounds like a brilliant idea. Can you imagine how that blew up in my face? <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. It's all the games we play. Instead of just taking a deep breath 
and being brave and speaking truth. Like, when you leave that there, it makes me feel like you don't value the house that I'm paying for. And I also recognize that at 16 years old, your prefrontal cortex hasn't developed yet. It won't happen until you're 27. You're going to make a bunch of bad decisions just before then. But I'm sorry, you really can't figure out why this matters so much to me, but it really matters to me because I pay the bills and I value this house. And I just want you to value the house. I, mean, I just want you to value it. That's all I want. I, just, I need to tell you that. I need you to know that this is how I feel. And when you don't pick it up and you don't value the house, I feel like a failure as a dad. And I might need to get counseling. None of that's false. See, listen, if I just said all that just to manipulate my child into picking that trash up, because that will work, then that, that's manipulation, y'all. But nothing I just said is actually false. Every parent feels that. We just don't know how to communicate it, which is why you'll be listening to this message again for that one moment. Because somewhere about halfway through what I just said, you know your child's like, I'll just pick it up. I know, but I just need you to know where, how I feel about it, like where I'm coming from. Truth. Speak truth. Speak brave truth. Seek forgiveness from others. I think this is a no-brainer, y'all. We just need to humbly repent for the ways that we've manipulated one another. I hope I've done that. I hope I've modeled that for you. And then uh, keep trusting, like appropriate trust. Keep trusting the Lord over others. Ephesians chapter 1, 22 and 23 says, And God placed all things, how many things? All things under his feet, Jesus, and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. If I truly believe that Jesus is head over everything, I don't have to manipulate. I can just trust him. And he keeps working. So let me give some practical examples of manipulation, and then we'll end the whole thing. First, let me do it from the platform out. These are some practical ways that pastors and leaders sometimes it can, sometimes can manipulate churches. And again, this is all motives. So some people say this, and they legitimately mean it. They don't mean it as manipulation. They mean it because it could be good for you. So if you've heard a pastor say these things, don't text them and say, my pastor just said that you are a master manipulator and your father is the devil. That's not what I said, right? I'm just saying these are examples. Let's start with one that you probably never heard. We need people to work in the nursery. And if you really love Jesus, you'll work in the nursery. And if you don't, the kids are going to duct tape people to the wall. It's a, it's a mess back there. And we can say that we love the world. But if we can't love the littlest ones among us in the nursery, then who are we saying that we don't love Jesus? We don't love the world. We don't even, I don't even know if we love our spouse. We're probably going to all get divorced if we won't work in the nursery. You watch the news. I watch the news. Nobody knows how to stop what's going on in Israel. But I've got the answer. Work in the nursery. Pastors that proof text and cherry pick verses to get their way. This is one reason why you, a lot of you that come to our church, you know what I hear all the time? Hey, Paul, you know why I love coming to the gathering? And I always say, the awesome preaching. And they go, eh. <laughs> when you get the, yeah, you know you're wrong. But they'll say, honestly, it's because you, you don't ask for money. Well, you just didn't come on those Sundays, <laughs> right? Because it's not bad to ask for money. It's, it's a good thing. to ask. If I teach on money, it's because I believe the Word of God that says that if you'll be a generous person, you'll be blessed. So I'd be a horrible pastor if I didn't teach you how to live a life of generosity, and that also includes giving at church. But if I only teach on giving... When I feel fear because the bank account is here, then I'm trying to get you to do something 
so that I'll feel better and I won't have to be afraid. And that's manipulation. And the reason why most people don't like churches talking about money is because they only talk about money when they don't have it. We should talk about money all the time because God's actually called us to steward our resources for his kingdom, right? By the way, if you want to give today, I'm kidding. (laughs) We don't. I'm even convicted. I'm probably, I'm overthinking this, and y'all just need me to stop talking. But, like, I tell people all the time, like, we don't pass offering plates because I don't want to remind you to give God a dollar. I I want you to be so mad in love with Jesus that you will give because you're in love with Jesus. But even me saying that, if I'm doing that as some cute little clever way to get you to give, I've manipulated you. Are y'all confused? I am. So let me give you some examples of how you can manipulate things at church. We're we're talking about money, so we'll just say this, withholding offerings. Y'all, people do it all the time. People do it all the time. Uh, Not necessarily in our church. I don't know if they do in our church because I don't do the finances here. So as far as I know, all of you give 25% of your income. I don't even have any idea. I know of a church that didn't like their pastor, and because they didn't like their pastor and they couldn't get him to leave, they gave a humongous offering and designated it to the cemetery fund. The cemetery fund. We don't like you, pastor, but we'd like to go ahead and invest in death. What? And so eventually the pastor had to leave because the church couldn't pay him. But they had six figures that could take care of a cemetery. Y'all, that's like Angie. If you read this sign, you need to call, right? You show up for work. Like, that's so bad. I don't like the music, or I don't like the colors, or I don't like the whatever, so I'm not going to give. That's manipulation. And you can... Have that approach, and then you'll eventually leave that church because God can't bless that. And then you're going to go to another church, and you're going to try to control that church with your giving as well. And it's just manipulation. And you've just partnered with the devil because that's what Jesus said. And not that any of you would ever do this, but some of you might have. If you... If you tag me in a post on Facebook and tell me that if I really love Jesus, I'll share it. And I ain't sharing it. And you just tried to manipulate me. And I'm not playing that game, right? Nor should we, right? Because that's manipulation. Are this practical enough? Just kind of jumpstart the thinking. Like, y'all are going to have a great lunch today. <laughs> You're going to be like... Boy, this is the best meal ever. Oh, honey, I really meant it. I wasn't trying to manipulate you. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's as, simple, it's as simple as this, y'all. It's all about who benefits from what we're saying. And Ephesians 4.29 says that we should speak words that are good for the person listening, not for the person speaking. Oh, my gosh. That would revolutionize social media conversations, everything. Because what we usually do is we use our voice to rant about things that would make life better for us. But we're supposed to speak words that edify the other person, that are good to build up joy in her circumstance, not to make her build me up. So let's just do what Paul did. Instead of manipulating people Into a life of following Jesus, we should simply model a life of following Jesus before them. 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul said this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Just do what I do. I'm following Jesus. Come come along. Let's let's do it together. Follow follow me as I follow Jesus. I I picture this long line of like Simon says, follow the leader. You know, like... Paul's following Jesus, and he, like, gives some to Jesus, and people behind him are like, 
Well, I mean, he did it. I guess we should do it. Oh, his hands are up. I guess, well, I guess we should do it too. Well, Paul just dropped to his knees in prayer. I guess we should drop to our, our knees in prayer. Follow me as I follow Christ. No manipulation, just modeling. And that's the prayer, right? Is that we wouldn't buy into the tactic of the enemy, but that we would actually just follow Jesus together. So here's what this means. It means, and we don't have to, you don't need to come play. We don't want to manipulate anybody with music. Let's <laughs> see what I did there. That's great. You'd be surprised how many people think that we have people come play music so we can manipulate them emotionally. It says way more about y'all than it does about us. No manipulation, right? What we need to start doing is we need to probably start asking God to check our heart before we speak words. Well, should I encourage people to read the Bible? Is reading the Bible good for people? Then yes. If you're a parent encouraging your child to read the Bible so that people will think you're a better parent, no. Motives. Just got to check your heart. Ask him to check your heart. And that's what will solve the manipulation problem. Because a lot of things that we are asking people to do are actually good things. We just want to have the right heart when we do it. Does that make sense? Did you want to come manipulate people? <laughs> come on. Yeah, I don't know how to close this out, so you, you close it out. <laughs> um, I really, um, I have to share this because there's a flip side to manipulation, and that was so amazingly good. The flip side to manipulation is that we sit and we go, oh, well, I'm being manipulated, and we judge the motive. Um, that was... I don't know if this is a confession or what. I'm not going to go into details, but we had a hard time in our life, and um, I judged motive. And it could have destroyed us because I judged the motive when their motive was not wrong. So as we deal with manipulation, be sure we're not manipulating, certainly. But also, just don't judge the motive. If he is manipulating, let that be between him and God. Don't take it as, oh, I'm going to sit here and believe that that's manip he's trying to manipulate me. That's it. Thank you. Man, that's so true, right? All right, well, let's, let's end this in prayer. Can we do that? With every head bowed and every eye. <laughs> Which is also sometimes a form of manipulation. Sometimes it's better to say, hey, everybody look at me. If you're going to make a decision, stand up. Everybody's watching. <laughs> the things we do, y'all. God, we are messy people. And we are complicated. And there are layers to us. And, God, you made us that way. You're not surprised by any of this. You're not surprised that we would struggle with manipulation and being manipulated. It's right there in the third chapter of the Bible. And if we had been where Eve was, we would have fallen for it too, God. It's, we need your spirit to protect our hearts. I so love that, just what Joy just said. So we, maybe we just close this by inviting you into our hearts, into our motives. And that we would free ourselves from the need to control even our response to truth. And that we could trust you. Because if I trust you, Jesus, 
and you're the one leading me? Even if somebody tried to manipulate, it wouldn't matter because I trust you. I pray for those in the room who have real pain over having been manipulated. And specifically, I pray about the church hurt that comes from being manipulated in church. God, I have sat under bully pulpits, and I probably have been the one in a bully pulpit. And it's not from you. You don't bully us with truth. And so we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to begin to heal our hearts. Soften us to what you're doing now. Help us to speak truth to one another bravely. To forgive and ask for forgiveness humbly. Help us, God, to trust you unconditionally. And thank you for what you did today, the way you showed up and loved on your kids. You're so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Natasha, you want to come close us out? As she's coming, let me just say this. Um, I know she's going to talk about baptism, but those of you that got ministered to this morning, um, if you don't mind, would you... Diana's waving at the next steps table. Would you mind just slipping back there on your way out today? I, I just want to make sure that we have your name and just a way to stay in touch um, so we can follow up. Not just like the, here's a book, read it, and, you know, go into your merry way, but like legitimately how can we follow up and like um, connect with you, help you as you just kind of process what God just did. Because God's not a drive-by God. He's, he's a walk with God, so we want to walk with you. Anyway, I'm going to sit down now. I've talked okay, enough. That's a good idea. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Round of applause for Pastor Paul. I know that's a, a tough um, sermon to preach in church, and um, I am proud that he is my pastor and was brave enough to share that with all of us because that's a hard thing. You know, a lot of us think about church. We think about manipulation, and I'm glad that our pastor was transparent and brave and shared that with us. Um, so if anyone is interested in baptisms, that is going to be next Saturday or next, <laughs> it's next Saturday. No, uh, next Sunday is, um, pastor appreciation soup a palooza. Can I get an amen or not? Okay. And, uh, baptisms as well. It is a family service. So all of us, including our children will be in here. If you're interested in baptism, I have a slide up here. You can pull out your phone and scan the QR code, or you can fill out your blue card in the back of the chair and drop it back to Diana there at Next Steps. Can everyone stand up? And how about we close the same way that we started? How about we spend 20 seconds loving on someone that we haven't talked to yet this morning or maybe that we don't know before we go out and spread the love.